Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Tuesday, October 25th, 2022. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Apple tries to wedge the App Store VIG into another market. Prices are going up for your favorite Apple services as well. Shutterstock is partnering with OpenAI because if you can't something them, join them, right? And what is the deal with Stage Manager on the iPad? Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. In deference to the developers in the audience, I'm going to lead with this one. With the release of the OS 16.1 yesterday, came new App Store guidelines that say that social networking apps that sell boosts for posts must use in-app purchases for the transactions, and now they've basically nerfed NFTs, quoting MacRumors. Notably, the update prevents apps from using NFTs to bypass in-app purchase rules. Apple's guidelines say that apps can sell NFTs and related services using the in-app purchase system, but apps that are designed to allow users to view NFTs cannot use NFT ownership as a mechanism to unlock features or functionality within an app. NFT browsing apps are allowed but cannot include buttons, links, or other calls to action for purchasing mechanisms other than in-app purchase. Apple says that apps created for the sole purpose of allowing advertisers to purchase and manage advertising campaigns across media types do not need to use in-app purchases, while also clarifying that digital purchases such as boosts within social media apps such as Facebook do indeed need to use the in-app purchase function. From the guidelines, quote, Advertising management apps, apps for the sole purpose of allowing advertisers, persons, or companies that advertise a product, service, or event to purchase and manage advertising campaigns across media types, television, outdoor websites, apps, etc., do not need to use an app purchase. These apps are intended for campaign management purposes and do not display the advertisements themselves. Digital purchases for content that is experienced or consumed in an app including buying advertisements to display in the same app, such as sales of boosts for posts in a social media app, must use in-app purchase, end quote. Quoting again, with Apple's new rules, social networking sites like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter that allow companies to buy boosts for social media posts must use in-app purchases for these transactions. This means when an advertiser wants to boost a spot on a social network like Facebook using an iOS device, Facebook will be required to give Apple a 30% cut of proceeds, quoting Antonio Garcia Martinez on Twitter. Funny how fast Apple went from ads are bad to the greediest ads MFers on the planet. This is Apple saying they're owed 30% of marketing budgets that flow through promoted posts, end quote. Quoting Sam Gilbert, Apple acts like an extractive rentier capitalist in the mobile app market, and quoting Nick Stack on Twitter. Apple will continue to collect tax on every transaction it can on iOS. I truly think that they'd come for Amazon, DoorDash, and Uber if they felt they could get away with it, end quote. Now for the rest of us. Apple has news as well. They've raised their monthly prices for Apple Music by a dollar for individuals. Also, TV Plus is going up by $2, and Apple One is going up by $2 as well. Apple is citing increased licensing costs, but hey, as with layoffs, as I said recently, you can probably raise prices right now and no one will really blame you, quoting 9to5Mac. This represents the first time Apple has raised the subscription price of Music, TV+, and Apple One in the United States. Apple said the increase in Apple Music subscription price was due to increased licensing costs, 
The company said artists and songwriters will earn more per stream as a result of the pricing tier changes. Regarding Apple TV+, Plus, the company said the increased price reflects the growing catalog of original TV shows and movies. If you are in an international market, you should also expect to see proportionally similar price increases going into effect beginning today. Current subscribers will receive notifications of the planned price increases 30 days prior to the service renewing at the higher price. Apple clearly believes the prices of its content services remain competitive. Unlike its competitors, Apple's services include more features as standard. For instance, Apple Music includes lossless audio and spatial audio at no additional charge, unlike Spotify, which doesn't offer these features today, and is actually expected to charge extra for them when they are introduced. Similarly, TV Plus does not upsell for better video quality. 4K HDR is included as standard." End quote. Back to dev news real quick. Microsoft has debuted the ARM Mini PC Windows Dev Kit 2023, formerly known as Project Volterra. This will get you a Snapdragon 8CX Gen 3 and 32 gigabytes of RAM for 599 bucks. Quoting Windows Central. That price undercuts the retail Mac Mini, which can be found direct from Apple with 8 gigabytes of RAM and 256 gigabytes of SSD storage for $699. This comparison is notable as both PCs are similar in size and are both based on the ARM architecture. Unfortunately, Microsoft is only marketing its mini PC as a developer kit. The Windows Dev Kit 2023 was unveiled earlier this year at Build 2022 and was announced alongside a renewed commitment to Windows on ARM as a whole, with the entire developer toolchain being released for ARM, including Visual Studio 2022 17.4 and .NET 7. Microsoft's focus on Windows on ARM has never been stronger. Just this month, Microsoft merged the ARM-based Surface Pro X with the Surface Pro 9 under one umbrella product, with the ARM version being exclusively available with 5G and features Microsoft's custom SQ3 processor. The Windows Dev Kit 2023 is equipped with a handful of ports, including two USB-C and three USB-A ports for all kinds of external peripherals. It can output to up to two 4K monitors at 60 hertz, and thanks to the ARM system on a chip, is energy efficient enough that the device is set to go into connected standby when idle instead of hibernating by default. On the inside, the Windows Dev Kit 2023 also features a neural processing unit, which allows apps to offload AI camera and microphone effects to a dedicated processor, which Microsoft says is 80 to 90 times faster than if an app was to render those same effects directly on the CPU, end quote. From the good luck with that file, Altimeter Capital founder and CEO Brad Gerstner has posted an open letter encouraging Meta to cut CapEx by more than $5 billion, cut headcount by more than 20%, and limit its metaverse research and development to about $5 billion a year, quoting CNBC. The meta-investor recommended a plan to get the company's mojo back, including reducing headcount expenses by 20% and limiting the company's pricey investments in metaverse technology, VR software and hardware, to no more than $5 billion per year. Meta needs to rebuild confidence with investors, employees, and the tech community in order to attract, inspire, and retain the best people in the world, Gerstner wrote in the letter. In short, Meta needs to get fit and focused. In addition, people are confused by what the metaverse even means, Gerstner wrote. If the company were investing $1 to $2 billion per year into this project, then that confusion might not even be a problem, end quote. He said the money the company is currently spending to develop VR could add up for a decade before it comes to fruition. 
quote, an estimated $100 billion plus investment in an unknown future is supersized and terrifying even by Silicon Valley standards, Gerstner wrote. Ultimately, Gerstner said, Meta has too many people and is spending too much on capital expenditures. If Meta was able to control those costs, he said, then it could double its free cash flow and improve its share price. At the end of the second quarter this year, Altimeter Capital held more than 2 million shares of Meta, end quote. Ah, yes. But how many shares, and specifically super voting shares for that matter, does Altimeter Capital have versus... How many does Mark Zuckerberg have? When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity. But user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Shutterstock says it has partnered with OpenAI to begin selling Dolly 2-generated stock imagery in the coming months, and has launched a contributor fund to reimburse creators. So, timely given our recent discussions, quoting The Verge, Will AI image generators kill the stock image industry? It's a question asked by many following the rise of text-to-image AI models in recent years. The answer from the industry's incumbents, though, is no, not if we can start selling AI-generated content first. Today, stock image giant Shutterstock has announced an extended partnership with OpenAI, which will see the AI Labs text-to-image model Dolly 2 directly integrated into Shutterstock in the coming months. In addition, Shutterstock is launching a contributor fund that will reimburse creators when the company sells work to train text-to-image AI models. This follows widespread criticism from artists whose output has been scraped from the web without their consent to create these systems. Notably, Shutterstock is also banning the sale of AI-generated art on its site that is not made using its Dolly integration. 
This isn't the first time Shutterstock and OpenAI have worked together in this domain. From 2021 onwards, Shutterstock sold images and metadata to OpenAI to help create DALI. OpenAI's Altman describes this data as crucial to the training of DALI. Now, with the integration of OpenAI's text-to-image AI, the partnership is going full circle, and DALI's output will compete with the same individuals whose work was used to train it. If Shutterstock's images were as important to creating DALI as Altman claims, the platform's contributors may understandably feel aggrieved that their own content is being used to put them out of a job. This is why Shutterstock is also launching its contributor fund, which will be used to pay artists, photographers, and designers when content they uploaded to Shutterstock is sold by the company to firms like OpenAI in order to develop generative AI models. It's a significant move, the first major initiative by a platform holder to reimburse creators in this way, but it also underscores the fraught legal and ethical questions surrounding this new technology. Although scraping or buying data to train AI art generators seems to be legal, covered by fair use, many experts worry about future challenges and complications. Getty Images, for example, has banned the sale of AI art on its platform because of fears that its inability to copyright the output of those systems will lead to licensing problems for customers. Shutterstock is banning AI art uploaded to its platform by third parties because it can't validate the model used to create the content so can't be sure who owns the copyright. Of course, banning third-party AI-generated art will also help protect its own business by funneling users towards its Dolly integration. And while the company seems to believe it has no legal obligation to reimburse creators whose content is used to train Dolly, the creation of the contributor fund suggests it foresees criticism and possible damage to its reputation, end quote. By the way, a listener recently pinged me to tell me to take a look at the Getty Images stock price. Now, with the caveat that Getty only went public in August, and it did so via a SPAC, so no one knows how that has affected performance or not, but as recently as August 15th, Getty had a market cap of $11.63 billion. As of yesterday, checks notes, the market cap of Getty was $1.58 billion. That's a hell of a two months. Finally today, it's another day of reviews. The Verge says the Microsoft Surface Laptop 5 has strong single-core performance, is thin and light, and they enjoy the 3 by 2 aspect ratio, but the 720p camera, the relatively few ports, and average battery life caused them to give it an 8 out of 10 score, while the Microsoft Surface Pro 9 review from The Verge says they like the 120Hz display, 5G connectivity, and 1080p camera, but find it pricey without the necessary accessories, slow apps, and just two USB ports, causing them to only give it a 5 out of 10. 5 out of 10. What's the biggest hang-up that led to that rating? Quoting Monica Chin. The story I find myself telling about the SQ3 Surface Pro 9 is fundamentally the same. Windows on ARM, while functional, is not ready for the $2,000 big leagues, end quote. There's still significant compatibility issues for that pricey a machine is the bottom line, apparently. There have also been reviews of the new iPads as well, but there's not enough new in them for us to go into all of that in depth. Most of the reviews come back to questioning what the logic of the iPad lineup is at the moment. So let's focus instead on Stage Manager. That new feature is finally here, and from the very beginning with this, no one seemed pleased with it. 
David Pierce says that even after months of tweaks by Apple, at least on iPadOS 16, Stage Manager still doesn't work, plagued by confusing behavior and bugs. He thinks Mac-like multi-window multitasking would be better. In his conclusion, he wrote, quote, Users have been clamoring for freeform windowing on their iPads for years, and Apple has steadfastly refused to give it to them. For a while, Apple cited performance and battery life as the primary concerns when it came to multitasking, which is presumably why Stage Manager isn't supported on the new base model iPad or older versions of the Air and Pro. But the new iPad Pro runs the same chip as the new MacBook Air, and that thing will happily take all your windows and tabs any way you want to configure them. There's clearly plenty of power to go around here. The iPad was always much more iPhone than Mac. It had a closed ecosystem, offered less access for developers and accessories, and tightly controlled how everything worked. More recently, though, as the iPad has become more powerful and as Apple has come to see its tablet as a capital P productivity device, it has tried to embrace some more openness and keep that sense of full-screen focus that Steve Jobs loved so much about the tablet. But that's just not possible. Yes, users make a mess with all the windows and tabs on their computer. That freedom also lets them work however they like, which helps them get more done. This tension is only becoming more acute, too. Apple is now all in on keyboard attachments for iPads. It even moved the camera on the new 10th gen iPad to the center and landscape mode, which is as clear a sign as you'll ever see that most people use their iPads horizontally on a desk. Apple's also trying to break down barriers between Mac and iPad so that you can do all your work on all your devices. Stage Manager as a concept makes sense on a Mac because it adds some structure to the freeform system, letting you quickly collect your mess. In that way, it reminds me of the Mac's desktop stacks feature, which automatically creates folders for different file types on your desktop. It's a simple way to rein in the chaos. On the iPad, though, Stage Manager is just more and different structure on top of all the existing structure. And all that structure just turns back into chaos, end quote. You probably can't hear that, right? That snoring in the background. That's Archie, the puppy. Nothing for you today. Talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>